From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. I'm an American! Whoa. I'm not an animal! What? See, that, that... I don't want to be muzzled! You, you have like, no uh, choice when you're listening to this show today but to be right. happy and positive. Well, you're going to have a challenge. Was I low-key faded? Maybe. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour, Cofield and Company, Finley Toyota Studios. Willie Ramirez helping out from the AP. It's Cofield. Let's get to it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Right, Willie, you feel it. Starting to open up. You feel base. it. We got we got the concrete convention center yeah. in. You know, we got the build out of the convention center, so that's all a good thing. Uh, what are we what are we looking at now? Uh, about 15 days until Resorts World is open. We're getting new moments, new dates on the calendar on the sports front. And one of the cool ones is the NBA Summer League uh, yeah. was announced last week. Uh, that's going to go down uh, August 8th to the 17th, so they move back about you know a month or so, three weeks or so from the normal Jul- uh, July time. Ten days, 75 games. Tickets go on sale June 23rd. That's going to be awesome. What do you think it's going to be like? The Summer League or yeah. just open everything? The Summer League. Oh, I think the Summer League is going to be fantastic because it already is every single year. Um, it's progressed, right? Those guys do a great job. Um and we've seen uh, record crowds. I think the the, the la- not last year, but the previous, and then the previous year before that. Each year they broke one another. So, um, you know, I think that everybody's excited. It's been moved back, obviously, because the NBA season, you know, started later than usual. But um, people are wanting to come to Las Vegas. I've been saying this since last year that when this town opens up fully, that this is one of those towns that the other places, the other cities, other. Um, metropolitan areas that aren't as open as Las Vegas or Nevada. They're, this is one of the towns, like I said, hey, well, let's get out of town. Let's go somewhere. Let's take the family somewhere or, or, or guys trip or girls trip, whatever it may be. So as we get closer to that and on top of that, we hit August. You got preseason football, the Raiders, right? Uh, I think they have... The, the 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 preseason opener or, or one of the, the first two weeks, so I mean, right there's there, I a, so, 10th. that's a huge, 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 yep. huge month for Las Vegas with everything that's going to be going on. So I definitely think that the NBA and they're going to be promoting and marketing that so heavy. People are, before people go back to school, college kids, you name it, they're going to be out here in full force, and I think it is going to be a hit. Check that August fourteenth on the uh, Seahawks and the Raiders, and that's going to be a sold out deal. And tickets will be right super expensive. In the middle, <laughs> right, <Sorry>. right <laughs> in the middle of the of the summer league. People are fired up right in the middle of the summer league. And yeah, we had a guy. One of our uh, listeners said uh, he had scored a good deal. He got uh, two preseason tickets for two twenty five a piece. Preseason, so you you, you know people are going to be freaking amped up. Number four, T and M Cox Pavilion. Cox Pavilion, often the home most times of. The Lady Rebels. Yes. All right, so what's going on now in this offseason? You got new coach. You had a great season last year. Now got her feet under and, you know, can really start recruiting. Yeah, and the, the, the greatest thing is is that they did so well in that first season off of where you had a brand-new coach in Lindy LaRock with no interaction 
after she was hired and it was Zoom meetings and you didn't really get to until the season got started and they could get clearance to, to be around one another and she could sort of lend that Final Four experience that she brought from Stanford, the coaching pedigree that she has from her own father here in Las Vegas, a legend, and then, of course, the all-time winningest coach in women's college basketball history, Tara, uh, Tara Vanderveer. Um, Lindy, of course, went to a couple Final Fours at Stanford. So she's able to bring that to these ladies, and then they, they, they're picked to finish ninth, and they end up finishing second. They had a disappointing ouster in the Mount West Tournament. Those are growing pains, but now she's got a full off. She's in, in person. She's pulling in recruits. She's pulling in transfers. Um, I'm excited for Lady Rebel Basketball because I've known Lindy since she was a little girl. I know the passion she has for this town. Forget about just basketball itself, but the pride of running Rebel Basketball. She knows. You know, she she's his, her family's historic in this town. So I, I'm excited for it. I think that the, the players have bought into the philosophy. I think players around the country that are disgruntled. Essence Booker, who was an All-State player at Spring Valley and went to Reno and then went to Ball State, came home because they want to play for Lindy LaRock. Her pedigree speaks for itself. So you know what I mean, Lady Rebels? A lot of good things just starting as Lindy enters her second season. Number three. You're a big fan of Lindy. I'm a big fan of the Paul brothers. This show is very split on these guys. Ari rips these guys all the time. He rips celebrity boxing all the time. What is your problem? They're borderline geniuses. Look at what they've done. And today, you send over another freaking dig. What's the problem? What's your problem, Ari? Spell gotcha, Willie. I got you covered. Spell it. I, G O T C H A. No, no, no. no. Say it the right way. That's that's your crap pronunciation. Okay, I got ya. Oh, I got ya hat. I, I got you covered, or I got ya. Yeah. There, yeah. There's two different I'm ways petty. to spell that. I'm petty. You good? Yeah. Now. So I'm what's good. the problem now? So one of them got a, them. one of them got a pendant that says I got cha hat. Yeah, he wants to relive the memory of this fight, I guess, and what. Well, he stood. Jake, only Jake win. Paul at the press conference uh, stole. The, the pre-fight hype conference, whatever, out at uh, Miami Stadium, stole Floyd's hat, then he ran, and then Floyd's guys tried to beat the hell out of him. So he's you understand what's going on here. The, who cares what the spelling is? He's um, a moron he in terms moron. of, you know, like his pure education, like book smarts, but street smarts, these guys are brilliant. No, they are. They're, 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 they're setting up another fight. They're marketing great. I'm, I'm not mad at that. Of course I'm petty, though, and I'm, I'm picking on him for that. But I do think this is kind of like out of the whole equation. That's what you want to kind of... That's that's the high point for you. Like that's what you're banking on. I think there's you other know things. So. If it plays into the work and it kind of pisses off Floyd, why not? You like boxing. I like boxing. We both covered boxing for a long time. This is why I okay. So I the the, the entertainment value of it in terms of the the YouTube the promotion what they're doing for themselves, they're clowns. I get that. <laughs> but here's why I think the Paul brothers are good for boxing because there are. It, they're influencers in this new age of whatever generation we're in, millennial or whatever the heck they're called now. What are we in? X, Y, Zs. Digital age. Okay, digital age, whatever. So why it's good for boxing is maybe there are some young 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds that are seeing this. Maybe they don't want to be on YouTube, but maybe they want to box. And you got to remember... I'm coming from a time where I remember when referee great Richard Steele opened Nevada Partners with Nevada Partners in the black community. I remember the old Golden Gloves gyms. 
I know that there are there are young kids out there that I know one in particular out of Shadow Ridge who wants to box. Who knows if this is just sparking interest in a sport? As Steve said, we go way back in covering boxing. I'm not an MMA guy, not because I dislike it, but because I just don't follow it. I like boxing, traditional boxing, right? When I was starting my journalism career, I was covering the middleweights. I was covering the Bowl of Holyfield trilogy, Terry Norris, uh, when De La Hoya came, when all those, the, those Barcelona guys. Fact of the matter is, this might be good for boxing in terms of young guys wanting to box and, and then finding boxing academies or boxing schools and learning how to box. Who knows? Okay. It's shedding a spotlight on a sport that I miss covering, and I'll be at the uh, the Virgin Hotel this Saturday to cover a fight. So, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. That that part's awesome. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the other thing it's good for is MMA because what's happening here are the Paul brothers keep calling out Dana White and the UFC for not paying fighters enough, and now fighters are picking up on it. Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champ, just tweeted out, yeah, sort of innocently, but really, you know, smart. Um, basically, what are we doing wrong? Why am I getting paid like uh, the way I'm getting paid? And Logan Paul may have made just 10 or $20 million. And it's strength in numbers. The more fighters that raise the issue by going, hey, how is Triller and Showtime, how are these guys paying these dudes who have no experience, are not real fighters, how are they getting this kind of money, but I'm not making that kind of money? And I would hope across MMA that a lot of MMA fighters are like, you know what, if my price is not met, I have made decent money, I have saved my money, and I will sit out. You notice the Diaz brothers are coming back. They've been gone forever. Now, yeah. people think the Diaz brothers, Nick and Nate, are morons. They're not. They're not. They made good money. They've always been able to, you know, when they've been in a position of decent power, they've been able to bargain their way to a pretty decent salary. And now the UFC is like, hmm, we need some fighters. So Dana White just said yesterday, Nick Diaz is probably fighting before the end of the year. He's been out forever. And Nate Diaz held out. So... These are the things you have to do. And I'm telling you, it seems bizarro, but these two goofy YouTube dudes are actually changing the game and getting people to start thinking fighters as a whole instead, because they're always fighting uh, away from the cage against each other. Yeah. Like if you bond together and, and you simply don't fight, eventually the people who pay and need fighters are going to have to raise the pay. Number two. Marc-Andre Fleury has been amazing. This story just continues to get better and better and better. And last night, there were so many big moments, especially on the heels of a crazy goal to end the first period. And then he was just amazing, facing one-on-one, two-on-one opportunities. Uh, and then the beginning of overtime, Willie. That was crazy. You come right out in the first 10 seconds, yeah. shot from the left, rebound. You know, and hey, the Avs didn't put it in the right spot. Flurry makes a you know a, mo a momentum shifting save, and then forty seconds later, game's over. Yeah, and he's been doing it. That's just it. Is seventeen of the last twenty games, he's allowed two goals or less. Those other three, he allowed three goals. So I mean, you know, he he leads. He's leading all goalies, of, uh, no matter how many starts they've made, um, with goals against average in the playoffs. I believe it's down to one point eight one. I think he's tied with someone who has seven starts. Uh, and he's tied with two others to uh, leading the uh, playoffs with 11 wins. And he's just continually providing confidence for that entire squad that who's behind them. And they've said it. Both Mark Stone said it last night. DeBoer said it. Tuck said it. That he's bailed them out on so many times all season that they feel the need to bail him out. So when it comes time, like we saw last night, that Colorado builds a 2-0 lead on the road, Right in, in an arena that they had 
never they hadn't uh, lost in regulation. I think in twenty one starts or twenty one games that they they're going out to just not you know they're playing as a team yeah but they have flurry on the brain that they want to bail him out and a situation like where he got a little bit i don't know overzealous with that with that shot at the end of the first period and he comes in the locker room feeling bad and he even said he goes I feel bad I felt bad I felt stupid his words you know and his players said don't worry about it we got you and it just lifted him up. So, you know, it's – and Flurry just continued to, to, to do what he does. And he's uh, – you know, he – we're – I'm feeling blessed that I'm getting to – I thought it was cool to cover the first season when they went to the Stanley Cup. But to be able to cover – I've never missed a home game. To cover this season and what he's doing and to continue to climb the NHL statistical ladder – of, of different categories is phenomenal. I mean, it's something that I'll be able to look back on my career and say, I covered that. Number one. That game ends last yeah. night. Yeah. Flurry aside, you're like, I got to write about this guy. Who is it? Oh, man. I Who think was I'm, the guy last night? Well, Stone with the winner because he's continually. But the, here's the thing. There's three guys you could talk about. You could talk about Stone. You could talk about Marchessar, And you could talk about Tuck. Tuck. You know, he, he comes through it with with a huge goal that breaks his own slump, but also the way that he did that, um, you know, you can talk about Marchessault and how hot he's been and that line has been. I wrote about that for the Associated Press uh, last week, um, how just that, that misfit line. And now DeBoer calls him the identity of the team because they've been here since day one. And then Mark Stone steps up when it comes time to be a captain, and his line's been shutting down. He's caused Jared Bednar to change his line last night. Splitting him up. I mean, you're talking about the fastest line in hockey, arguably the best line in hockey, and Bednar had to change it because the Golden Knights are stopping them, and they're in Denver. So there's a number. And I'd like to say I've been critical of Petrangelo. Alex Petrangelo, I'll sit up on press row talking to Danny Webster, talking to David Shane, talking to whoever, the beat writers up there, and I'll be like, man, I've yet to see how this guy's <laughs> worth the money. But the last few games, he he's maybe not be on the stat sheet in terms of points, but he is playing some outstanding defensive hockey, and he's he's shown his worth. I, uh, I love the way Stone finishes the game, and first of all, it's super exciting, but um, he had an opportunity at the re- end of regulation where he broke out and he made a yes, nifty move yeah, to get past yeah. A defenseman, uh, and then the finishing goal. Again, you watch the guy, and you're like, man, he doesn't look fast. He doesn't look that shifty. He's just, you know, he's a big guy. He's in control. Everything just looks a little bit slower. But like I said, he's in control, and he was just fast enough to stay ahead of two defenders and, you know, screw up Grubauer and get the finish. There's a couple of guys on the team, I will say this, that when they make a move from the blue line, regardless if it's a breakaway, if it's if they got two defenders closing in them, there are I could probably name three off the top of my head that if they're making a move to the net, I'm anticipating a goal. I'm I'm thinking the percentage is in their favor. Mark Stone's one of them, Chandler Stevenson is another, and Alex Tuck. Those three are taken off. I think I like in my mind I'm thinking the goalie's in trouble. Or, or Petrangelo's remember in Tahoe when he went, oh boy. Like I'm thinking in my head, oh boy. The goalie's in trouble. And it's those three uh, come to mind immediately. Impressive. Impressive from Stone. And then, you know what? You mentioned Tuck. Uh, you know, to get that first goal 50 seconds or whatever we have, 50 seconds in to the uh, to the third period, uh, that was not an easy goal. First, uh, created by a turnover. 
uh, awesome pass by Wah, and then Tuck is sitting there and has to like hit it out of the air. That was brilliant. And and it's and let's not forget Yamark. You know, Matias Yamark. He's coming off that you know off that injury, and, and and he played a great game. And 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 that line. You know, a lot of people were saying either they were even criti- criticizing. You know, well, uh, I I heard it after the first period when they went back to the studio, right on TV. Like, well. DeBoer's really going to have to answer questions as to why he sat Ryan Reeves when he made such a momentum to come in. I don't think that he replaced Ryan Reeves with Matias Yamark. Yamark came off, yes, but the person that really got the spot was Keegan Colasar. He was the replacement, not Yamark. When Yamark got healthy, he was coming in the lineup regardless. So uh, it, it ended up working out just fine, and I think Reeves is fine with it. You know, it, it, As long as they win, that's a guy who, if they win, he's fine. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Wow, did that just happen? Mark Stone of the Golden Knights just broke the heart of Avs fans everywhere man this game has been bananas this whole series now back to Cofield and company in the finley toyota studio so buddy nick ferguson at the fan in denver he's on with us every once in a while former nfl player uh former bronco and yeah i'm sure he repped a lot of abs fans last night stunning finish amazing for golden knights fans amazing for the team mark stone 50 seconds in overtime gets the job done so today was another uh, Raiders camp day in terms of access for the media. I wanted to roll some uh, bites out there and get your reaction. Willie Ramirez is with us from the AP, and then we'll uh, double down on this inside of 10 minutes with uh, Josh Dubow, also from the AP, who's covered the Raiders for a long time. So uh, Drake was out there, a uh, new running back, and he was talking about a bunch of different things, including – this is a complicated one. Trying to study and get the Gruden offense down. Yeah, I'm uh, fully engulfed in it, man. Uh, I'm living, breathing it right now. Just trying to make sure uh, I get all the basics down, especially right now. So when everything starts to really open up, you have a good base. And then you can kind of move on from there, add on top of that, and uh, continue to work toward our, our goal. And it's obviously being a, a top offense in this league. So I feel like I can definitely help in that facet. You can't help it. And then Kenyon Drake went on to talk about, uh, you know, the multiple weapons, especially when you're talking about goal line situations. It's going to be a tough team to shut down. I'm just adding another playmaker uh, that the defense will have to worry about. Like I said, creating those mismatches out the backfield or lining up out wide, uh, getting those coverage indicators, you know, whether it's man or zone, um, just being another playmaker, another weapon. Uh, when you have most of the guys to cover on the field, it, it stretches the defense real thin. So you got a guy like Darren Waller, who's obviously a, a red zone threat. Uh, Harry Ruggs, um, Hunter Winfro, uh, just, you know, B. Edwards. Like, just, we have a, a lot of guys, especially everybody in this room, that can create mismatches to come out the backfield. It just, it's almost like a, a you know, pick your poison type of situation. So hopefully we can just execute and, uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may in terms of the playmakers making plays when they need to. What do you think about Drake? He, you know, and, I, one of the things that I noticed going out there is that everybody, you know, especially the offensive guys, the, the last two Wednesdays and then today, 
is you're always hearing about the relationship and the and, and the chemistry they're trying to build with Derek Carr on and off the field. So it's definitely, you know, we've heard all this talk off season about Aaron Rodgers or, you know, is someone coming in? Is Derek Carr's, you know, do you replace it? So on and so forth. But it sounds to me like the core of the team, the newcomers, whoever it may be, um, it, it's very important that you get and build the chemistry with Carr. You know, he, he also said, and that was part of the soundbite, was that um, Carr commands respect and attention from his teammates, but he also bonds with them off the field. He had a cookout for a lot of the new teammates, invites them over to the house. And you got to remember, this is a guy that organized those those workouts last year, right, when they couldn't do stuff in person and they were going out to that park. So that was something, I mean, you know, that, that we saw. And, and Carr, you know, he, he takes a lot of ridicule, but – you know, he, he he did some good things last year. So, I mean, with the weapons that they have brought in, the, the these relationships that these guys are talking about, I think that that's what's important. You see it out there, and you see him, you know, see Carr working hard. You see him mixing it up with the guys and, and chatting it up and hyping them up. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, he, he's right in a, in, a, in a manner that the weapons are there. It's just a matter of how they're utilized and who comes to play. And I think the biggest question mark right now, out of the guys he happened to mention, you know, Henry Ruggs has to have a better second season. Uh, new wide receiver John Brown over from the Bills talked about rugs and again on the uh, plethora of weapons. Definitely, um, Henry Ruggs. When I when I watch film, you know his speed alone. You know he could definitely dominate the game and he can really take over the offense. And um, you know with Brian Edwards, he's physical and he's real aggressive. So with him bringing that energy right there, you know a lot of guys can feed off of that. So that's the main things that pop up to me when I put on the film and watch those guys. Willie, sit tight. Quick break. We're going to come back with uh, Josh Dubow, covers the Raiders for the AP, and we'll get you guys together, the Raiders experts, and we'll talk more about you know the early practices here for your Las Vegas Raiders. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, let's continue to break down what's been going on at Raiders Camp Media Access the last three Wednesdays. And Josh Duval for the AP joins Wheeler Ramirez from the AP and Steve Cofield. What's up, Josh? Not much. How you guys doing? We're good. We're good. We were uh, we were just talking or playing some of the comments from uh, Kenyon Drake, who we can get to in a couple minutes. But we were just playing uh, recent comments today from. From John Brown, what do you think of John Brown, your impression when you heard him speak? And also, is he the guy who's going to kind of slip right in there as the veteran presence who can really do something like Nelson Aguilar did last year? Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a big help. Uh, they need him. You know, the, I think you can't go into the season and counting on Ruggs and Edwards based on what we saw last year. But I think it's uh, it's deep ass for John Brown to play as well as Aguilar. Aguilar was outstanding last year. I'm not sure that John Brown's his age can can get to that level. I think they're going to need to make up for Aguilar by Ruggs and Edwards being better and John Brown. But I think he's going to be a big big help for them, at least. The relationships, I've heard this the last, I mean, you've been on the Zoom, I've been on the Zoom the last uh, three Wednesdays, and it seems like the offensive guys that they're they're giving to us, Josh, they're always bringing up, you know, Derek Carr, even uh, even uh, Drake, right? And he's, and he's, he's running back. They're bringing up the the bond, the chemistry, the how important the the respect that he's commanding. You know, it it seems you know we spent this off season 
wondering whether Aaron Rodgers were coming. Every offseason, we're wondering, you know, uh, what's Carr? Is, is Carr, is this his place? But it seems like he's the guy that everybody's got a bond with. No matter what position you're playing in that offense, it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's Carr that's commanding the respect, and, and, and Carr's the guy that you have to somewhat, I don't want to use the word placate, but, you know, he's, He's he's accepted or everyone else has accepted that role that he's a leader. I think it's all of us that maybe are are, are misguided. I'm not sure, but do do you get that impression that every offseason you've covered this team for what 15 years now? Um, so since he's been there, has that always been the case? Yeah, I think it's basically been the case. You know, in general, you know, obviously not maybe not the rookie year after that, but since then, uh, you know, the last few years that's been the case. Whether it was Jordy Nelson coming in or whether it was, you know, whatever. You know, last year was a little different with the COVID stuff. They weren't, they were doing the workouts in Las Vegas, but it wasn't quite the same because they weren't, you weren't, they weren't around each other as much. But that happens basically every year. The quarterback, it's pretty standard with the quarterback. If you have a established quarterback at a spot that they'll basically do that and, you know, welcome the guys in and sort of be, be that de facto leader no matter what, you know, whether it leads to results on the field, you know, that's, that doesn't, you know, and, and that's the bigger question than whether, uh, you know, players have always, his teammates have always respected him, so I don't think I don't think that's been in question. So it's a matter of and many of us. And of course, many of us we can't look, we can't wait for. It, we don't even have to wait for the season. We 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 get your uh, we get your your tweets. We we uh, everybody everybody loves the statistical tweets that you send out. Um, in in your opinion, is is you know. Is Carr set up for based off what you saw last season? Obviously, the defense needs to be shored up. But um, is, is does Carr have the offense around him now that where he can, you know, have a, have a have a decent season? He's had a couple where you may consider them breakouts. But is he in a good position um, with the crowd coming back, everything coming back to a sense of normalcy? Um, he loves Las Vegas. Is this is this a season that you see from what you've seen from the offseason, the draft picks, the free agent acquisitions? Is this is this is this a big season coming up that you can see where we're going to see some Josh Dubow positive statistical tweets? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might depend. I think that will depend a lot on how Andre James and Alex Leatherwood well perform. Um, you know, I think if the offensive line is good enough, and I think you know, it's, at this point, you have to have at least. Some questions about you know Andre James, who's started one game at center in high school and college or pro in his life, and in Leatherwood, he's you know rookie. You know you look at Colton Miller, who's a you know very dependable left tackle right now, but he was not good as a rookie. And you know, playing as a rookie on the offensive line is not easy. And so that's one of those positions that's probably a little harder to step right in than it is you know at some other spots, um, especially because it's an, it's an offensive line and you got to play every snap basically as a receiver. They can, you know, give you limited roles or as a pass rusher, it's like, okay, you can be a third down pass rusher, you can, you know, get 25 snaps and you can sort of ease your way in. As an offensive lineman, they're going to expect Leatherwood to play every snap and be dependable on, at, at right tackle. And if the offensive line is not not up to par in terms of pass blocking, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a challenge for Derek to put up the numbers he put up last year. Did you think the overhaul was necessary on the line? Um, I don't know, some of it was, you know, I think. I didn't totally understand the Rodney Hudson one. I think he wanted out. It was, it was part of it, but I, I don't think that makes him better getting rid of Rodney Hudson and paying and having $12 million of dead money in your cap this year and turning to Andre James. I guess the Gabe Jackson, I was surprised they brought Gabe Jackson back last year. I thought $9 million for Gabe Jackson is a lot of money. Um, you know, I thought, yeah, I wasn't sure they were going to bring back last year. They did, so I, I understand that. And then, you know, the Jeff Brown's interesting one. He hasn't, he hasn't been available, he hasn't played. 
but we're playing, you know, you paid in the expensive, you paid in the expensive two years, and the way you structured <laughs> the contract was he was going to be much more affordable in years three and four, and now you're not getting those years out of it. Um, I understand why they did it. I'm not sure that necessarily makes them a better team, though. Um, you know, I think it's going to depend on, you know, Tom Cable believe, believes in Andre James. He, I mean, according to Mayock, Cable said that uh, Leatherwood was his top tackle on the board. Um, you know, if those guys perform and Tom Cable coaches them up and the offensive line is, is good enough, I think, you know, I think this offense you know, could be a good offense like it was last year. You know, they need to but they need to probably be even better than they were last year unless the, unless the defense turns around and, you know, like they might be a little bit better, but I don't know if they're going to be a – don't see this being a, you know, a, a top defense in any – yeah, that, and that was that was going to be my next question. Was you know, uh, eight high, they allowed the eighth highest number of yards total yards. Um, what you know, this this team has to they have to improve. I don't think that they can count one hundred percent on the offense being that much better. Where they could just start being a team that's going to outshoot teams. You know, have have they made necessary adjustments that at least see some improvement in, in an uptick? You know, there should be because when you're, you know, when you're starting that low down, um, <laughs> and up to, you know, that doesn't take it doesn't take a lot, you know. But you know, I was around here when they brought in Ken Norton after uh, Jason Tarver and and the defense with Dennis Allen and Jason Tarver and said it couldn't get worse and got a little bit better, but it still wasn't very good. And then when Ken Norton left and they brought in Paul Gunther, it's like okay, it can't be worse. And it did get worse with Paul Gunther, you know, so. Um, I gotta see it before I believe it. Um, you know, I, you know, Gus Bradley's fine. You know, I think Gus Bradley is a fine defensive coordinator. I don't think he, you know, his track record basically is when, when he's had really good teams, he's had good defenses. When he hasn't had really good teams, he hasn't had great defenses. And so I'm, I'm not sure he's going to elevate this talent to a, you know, to a elite level. And and it's hard not to have questions about the second. But you know, you go in and. You know, Damon Arnett was not very good last year. Jonathan Abram was not very good last year. Javon Mullen was okay last year. You got a rookie playing in safety. Casey Hayward's coming off, you know, probably his worst year. And can he bounce back? You know, now if they have him. And if the second day, if you can't guard guard people, you're not gonna you know, the pass rush isn't gonna have time to get to get to the quarterback and you're not gonna be able to play defense in, in the NFL today, especially when you're in the division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and you know, and the guy and guys like that and you're competing with teams with you know, and real good passing offenses in the AFC. And if you if you want to compete with those teams, you gotta be you gotta be able to cover at least a little bit. And right now, I got the biggest question on the Last year, Gruden insisted since the start of training camp that uh, offseason acquisition Malik Collins was the heart. Was at the heart of it. The key, he said he the key of the defense. Yeah. The defense. He anchor. And in a sense. He was because, as disappointing as he was, <laughs> if he if he was a key and he was that disappointing and, and somewhat of a no show, then that's then he was so key that when he didn't show, the Raiders' defense didn't show. Who, in your eyes, is is, is somewhat the key? I know you just named some DBs and you said the secondary coverage has to be there in the division that they play in. But is there one guy that steps up to be the leader, to be the anchor, to be the sort of just the the guy that gets in that huddle, smacks him helmet, and say, "Let's go." Well, in terms of the, of, of the leader, I, you know, I'm not sure who that, you know, I think it's less of a leadership and it's more of a talent issue at this point. You know, they need, you know, Damon Arnett's going to play like a first-round pick. It comes out, you know. You know, Jaylen Mullen's been okay. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been horrible. But if 
you know, Damon, Damon Arnett plays as a, like a first round pick. Like they, they, they thought he was, you know, a lot of people didn't think he was, but they believed in him. They thought he was a first round pick. If he plays to that level and Trayvon Mullen keeps going on the ride, he's going and Casey Hayward, you know, can, can still contribute at this age. And then, and more steps in and it's a good free safety. And then Jonathan, you know, you can see how there's a way for all the pieces to fit in. It's just a, it's a lot of ifs. And so, yeah, but I think it comes down to any cornerbacks. If you want to succeed in the NFL right now, you need cornerbacks. And so it comes down to, you know, Damon Arnett was not very good as a rookie. And, you know, a lot of people did not think he should have been a first round pick. The Raiders believed in him. They really thought and said everyone else was wrong. The first year, didn't show that, you know. Obviously, I don't know. Had some injuries. There's COVID year, or you know, all sorts of excuses you can make. But he's he's going to play like a first round pick, I think. So then to have a defense that's going to be able to, to at least be good enough. Are we going to close on this, Josh? I saw that you retweeted a PFF, and that you know they're doing all their rankings. Uh, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Uh, John Gruden actually pretty far up on Eric Eager's list of play callers. Yeah, you know, I think. So John has been a good. I, I think John's a good play call. Like, you know, I think you know there, when he came back, there were questions on how how his offense, you know, ten years away, is he going to be able to modernize his offense and all that? And and he he's shown that he has. You know, they've had they've had some issues in the red zone. Um, you know, I think some of that's personnel related too. But you know, I think the the play call. I think John, John as a play caller is very good. You know, I think the questions about the Gruden tenure been more the personnel decisions than the than the play calling. You know, I was maybe a little surprised that he was on the list and maybe the guy that Kyle Shanahan wasn't. But I think, in general, I don't have any, I don't have a lot of uh, complaints about John Gruden's play calling this season. I, I think he's been very good at that, and I think it's been better than people expected. Josh, good job, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Josh, talk, talk to you later. There he is, Josh Duval, AP. I'm going on record in saying that Damon Arnett is going to have a breakout season. He's going to be the surprise player. I'm 100% confident of that. I have. Good knowledge that the work he's put in during the offseason, and he, uh, I think he saw the error of his ways in terms of how he approached a lot of those hits and self-inflicted concussions, and he's not going to be as wild and learned his lesson. I think Damon Winnett's going to be a breakout player this it's year. It's also an eye-opener when they bring in a vet, and the vet's like, yeah, I'm playing outside. Like, that's where they're working. Casey Edward, I'm, I'm working outside. Yeah. He, he, he's been out there working uh, – you hear the coaches really responding to what he's doing, and and I think that everybody's got an eye opener. There, you know, getting an eye open that that secondary needed to be revamped, so everybody's on notice. And I think the one player that that has to step up in his second year after the disappointment is going to be Arnett, and I think he's going to answer the bell. The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company late night pod tonight at nine o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, update in the NHL. Second period, 14 minutes left. Islanders at home leading 3-2. It's a 2-1 game leading 3-2 in the series. I confused everyone. 2-1 game right now. 2-1 game. It's funny, Ari was asking during the break, not trying to out you here, but, you know, not everyone's a big hockey fan and you're not that old, uh, was asking about the Islanders and their history and, you know, when they were good. Uh, I had told the story earlier about uh, growing up in the New Jersey, New York area, and there were very few Islanders fans where, where I was from. 
hmm. uh, which is like 40 miles south of New York. Tons of Rangers, fa- Rangers fans. You know, the Devils were kind of big because it was New Jersey team. And I, there was a guy that I was friends with junior high school who had the, the stupid starters jacket, the shiny Islanders yeah. jacket. Yeah. And everyone yeah. freaking hated the guy yeah. for like, you know, even then at like 12, I'm like, bandwagon. Um, no, the Islanders were awesome. And Rangers fans hated them. They were so jealous because the Rangers hadn't won uh, to that point in like 42 years. They found they, their last cup was in 1940. Uh, so the, the Islander fans always used to do the 1940 chant. Uh, the Rangers fans would do some really vulgar but funny chants about Pod Van and his wife and other stuff. Um, but yeah, the NHL was bizarro land in terms of the balance of who won titles. Like late late 70s, Canadians won four in a row. Then Islanders won four in a row into the 80s. And then Gretzky comes along and the Oilers went four or five. Yeah. Then he goes to L.A. and brought to success there with... with uh... Barry Melrose as a coach, and uh, yeah, that was and Mike Bossy was the big guy, right, with the Islanders. He was the star. They had a lot of big guys. Yeah, Brian Trottier, Billy Smith, right. They had a lot. They had a lot of big names. That's the thing. The core stuck together. Mm-hmm. All sports have changed that way. Mm-hmm. You can't keep teams together like you used to because of free agency. So once you nailed a freaking core, you were golden. Yeah, you were really golden. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, Willie came in helping us out, filling in for two hours. Uh, you did bring gifts. I did. That is expected. Yeah. Adam Hill hasn't brought a gift in in like uh, 14 years, but maybe someday. It made me feel part of the company. I've been doing the late night podcast. You, you've allowed me to talk about my son, his five-year dream. And every time we do the late night, you ask how, the, how, how many times have I come on live? I've left T-Mobile and raced over he's, to the perfect gym. Willie's the man. Go over to the perfect gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, he finally, we finally got the last leg of equipment this week. And, we're kind of excited. He's going to Miami for a show. He's taking his bikini girls down there. They got the the big competition. They huh? got the they got the, uh, the the photo shoots all set up for South Beach. And when they get back, we're going to be doing the grand opening over there at the Perfect Gym across from the Orleans Arena. And I brought in some shirts that have yet to be released. He literally has a I, I giant wore, backpack. We don't know what's coming out here. I, I wore one. I, mean, I wore. I, I wore. I wore. It's the shirt I have on. And it has I assume the perfect on the bottom tag. is some uh, gabagool. So, so, <laughs> he's brought it. So, he brought in cold cuts. You know, Ari won't eat it. This is the angelic shirt which I'm wearing. Nice. It on the front embroidered, and on the back you see what's on the back of my nice, shirt. Right? Very nice. Yeah, a couple of chickies and. And then for Steve, double uh, X, we slimming black. You know what's funny is the uh, the label, and uh, you can go up to at Perfect Apparel. It's uh, F I C T on Perfect. The label is brilliant because I have a double X shirt that I'm going to wear, but the label has the silhouette of like a very fit man with a tiny waist. Now here's that a, is not going to be me. Here's the story of that silhouette. When we went to our lawyer for a trademark for perfect, they said phonetically it sounds like the word perfect. Can you add something? Lee Strother, Julian Strother's father, talented graphic artist in town, took, is that a, right? took a picture of Jordan from his oh, wow. posing of one of his shows and did that, and we call it Fit Man rather than like like Jordan's Jump Man. Sure. So, so our Fit Man is trademarked with the word perfect, P-E-R-F-I-C-T, with the emphasis on the word fit. Steve, on the Late Night Podcast, we talk about food all the time. You see, I man, put my dishes on Twitter, and you've said, man, i got to try the rub, so I brought you in some samples. I don't know if you cook, so you don't get any, but. But uh, I got the pizza blend for you. I have the poultry passion. I have the garlic pepper, and I have the Cajun blend for you to try those seasonings. Um, those are our seasonings, our blends. 
we have a factory out here in Las Vegas, not our factory, but we go to, and we have handpicked the, the the blends. Those rubs were made for us. The pizza blend is my, as you know, with its Italian. Sure. That's my perfect recipe. If you were to open that right now, that Ziploc, and just stick your schnoz right in it as you open it, you'll think that you you think that you'll open <laughs> you'll you've opened a box of pizza. That's how good that blend is. So I brought you some rubs, brought you some Who T-shirts. Knew? Where can people get this stuff? Perfect, P-E-R-F-I-C-T, dot online. Check it out. There's all kinds of stuff on there. The shop has the, the apparel and the seasonings, the uh, and then the personal training, all the information on the gym, which, like I said, uh, by July we'll have the grand opening. We're excited about it, so I appreciate that. The pizza blend, what do you put it on? Any uh, Well, just whatever what you, would you put it tight. Uh, pasta or, um, I'll tell you one thing I use it for. Egg whites, or when I'm making my omelets, really? I'll, put, I'll throw a little uh, Italian cheese with some tomatoes once I flip the omelet and close it. It's phenomenal. But oh veggies, uh, pasta for sure. Make pasta salad with that. Chicken, you can make chicken. But That's I brought you the. But the, I brought you the, the meat. But I brought you the poultry passion. Yeah. The Cajun for the for your red meat or your pork. The, your the poultry passion, obviously, for the chicken and the garlic pepper. Just like it sounds. I mean, the, the, you'll fall in love with that. So if I give one of these to Adam Hill, will it work in an air fryer? Well, Adam Hill, we were at a we were at a barbecue a couple of years ago um, that I was invited to at Damon Siders, the former prep editor at the Review Journal, and uh, humans came over and Adam and I brought bottles to Damon and his uh, his wife for uh, I said is a gift just for inviting me over. I said here and they started barbecue. I think it was like I don't know it was eleven twelve o'clock and humans and Adam started firing up the grill and they used some of the seasoning. So Adam's tried the seasoning. He knows. He knows what's up. You guys know what's Come on. You've seen the dishes I put I know, on the damn Twitter. Spectacular. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Even Dave Coconut, who eats like a king, was like, eh, this is kind of nice. <laughs> like the Dova Soul on there, but, you know, beyond that, looks pretty good. Although the vegetables, he's like, get the vegetables off there. Yeah, no vegetables. Gifts. I love it. Love it. Uh, speaking of gifts, we've got some great young players, again, all around Las Vegas for high school basketball. Um, in this case, I think the kid's actually prepping again in Utah. Yeah, but Richard Isaacs Jr. Pop pop. Yep, he's a point guard prospect. This he class is. coming up. Yep, and UNLV seems to be going hard after him. I guess he's going to be visiting Creighton. You know what? Up Creighton's. You know what? They already got uh, Kaluma, who decided not to go to UNLV and and committed to Creighton. Enough with the the freaking big Catholic. It's not a it's not a major league. All right, come on, let's go UNLV. But I'm telling you, the list for this kid. Like everyone in the country has offered. I mean, everyone. He's and here's the thing: is I I don't foresee him coming here only because of the fact that they're not. They they dad is very involved. He's very passionate about every decision that's made. Um, he I just don't know if if UNLV is the fit. They like the Krugers. I just don't know if it's established yet, and he's got to make this decision. Remember, this is a kid who played for Team USA, won a gold medal. 16 and under team at a World Cup games. It's going to be hard pressed to get him. He's a big time program. I think they're going to be looking for a spot where he can jump right into an established program, established coach. As much respect as they have for the Krugers, I just don't know if he's if if he's going to if they're going to land him. Willie, good job, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Tomorrow on the road, big viewing deal. Two to six. We'll be at Silver Sevens during the game. How about this? Golden Knights game, seventy-seven cent. Bud Light bottles, so come on down, enjoy the game. Silver 7's great spot with two bars and the William Hill Racing Sportsbook right there. It's Silver 7's at Flamingo and Paradise. 
We're back tonight. Another late night podcast. We'll see if we can get our buddy Petro in. Uh, John Von Tobel breaking down the NBA. That's up on Twitter and YouTube.